Welcome to the Feedwell Audio Tapes, a comprehensive library of teachings from the Word of God by God's servant, Reverend George Adeboye. It is our prayer that God's word to you through this tape will be inspiring and motivational. As you listen intently, meditate deeply and be a doer of these words. God bless you. Me tonight to Acts, God's Acts of Apostles. The Acts of the Apostles, chapter 6. And I'll read from verse 1 to 4, Acts of Apostles, chapter 6. I'll read from verse 1 to 4. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is no reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, put one on that, full of the Holy Ghost, put two on that, and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. By the grace of God tonight, I want to introduce you to a subject that by the grace of God, I want to teach you more about it as the days go by on the subject of the spirit-filled minister. The spirit-filled minister. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for your word. As we approach your word tonight, we ask you for unction for me to deliver and unction for the people to receive the doctrine and the correction and the reproof and the instruction. May your word find a resting place in their hearts. May you, Lord, be glorified by this ministry of the word and may the people's faith be mixed with the things they learn and receive and hear that they may be doers of it and not hearers only. We ask you to take the praise and glory for all that has been wrought among us. And all that will yet be done, use this message to practically instruct the life of these young ones, O oh God, so that, O oh God, they will not make the mistakes of those before them, that they may walk in the fullness of your power at all times in every area, to the glory of your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This scripture is taken from a time and a season in the early church when there was need to put certain people in certain offices that probably can be referred to as administrative positions because they were just responsible to distribute food and other provisions among the widows that had grown in those days due to so many things. And the word of God here tells us the vital requirements that were clearly stated these vital requirements, if they are important for somebody to fill the office of a deacon, they are more than important for somebody to fill the office of a minister. I want you to know that when we say the spirit-filled minister, to be a minister simply means to be one that is in a position of service. To be a minister does not necessarily mean you have to be a pastor. To be a minister simply means to be a worker in God's house. To be involved in the practical administration of God's work. And you will all agree with me that one to one degree or the other, all of us here are ministers. 
We may not all be apostles. We may not all be prophets or evangelists or pastors or teachers. But to one degree or the other, even at the level that we have attained, we are, we are ministers. We are serving. We are involved in service. We are doing one thing or another in support of either God's man or a particular operation or function in the local assembly. No matter what way we look at ourselves, we fulfill the qualification of a minister. So remember, I'm speaking about the spirit-filled minister. So the vital requirements we are put out, and these three requirements are very important. The first one says, they needed men of honest report. This is a character requirement. For those who are going to be ministers in whatever level or whatever area in the church, local assembly or ecclesia, they must be men of honest report. In other words, men of good character. One translation says, they must be men of good reputation. One other translation says, they, may be, they must be men of good standing. They must be men of good standing. Another translation says, they must be men who can be well attested. Men that people can give good testimonies about. This is a qualification. If anybody is going to be put in any position in the church, not just deacon, but any position of service, the one vital requirement is that he must be a man of, according to the scripture, of honest report. In the Bible, God gave responsibility to people, and you see that this was very important. The next person that we find in the Bible that was called a man of good report or a man of honest report was a man by the name of Colinius in Acts chapter 10, verse 22. We are told that this man had a good report of all the nations of the Jews. The second person that we find is a young boy. The fact that you are young does not mean that they can, you cannot have a good report. You see, most young people don't have good reports nowadays. But that is very unfortunate. The next boy, uh, the next person was a young boy by the name of Timothy. The Bible tells us in Acts 16 verse 2 that he had good report of the brethren that were in Lystra and in Iconium. He was a young boy, but he had a good report. As a young minister, what is your report? Most people always say, I don't care what people say. What is important is what God says. I wanted to know that it's important what people say. 2 Corinthians 8.21 It says, provide for honest things not only in the sight of God, but also in the sight of men. I wanted to know that in as much as we have witnessed in heaven, there are also witnessed upon the earth. In Job 16.19, Job said, my witness is in heaven. But I wanted to know that in 1 John 5.7, in as much as the Bible says there are three that bear record on, in heaven, in 1 John 5, 8 says there are three that bear record upon the earth. So the earthly record is also important. Here you see people that wouldn't have been put in position except for the testimony that all that gave concerning them. The word of God tells us that the amount of two or three witnesses let every word be established. In those days when you want to accuse an elder, you find two people saying the same thing about the same man. And on that basis you can establish what is being said about that man. And also in those days when you find two or three people saying something good about somebody in a local assembly, that thing is established for that person or in his favor. So you see that Timothy, young as he was, did not have a bad report. Because most of our young people have various kind of reports. People say many things about you, but let no man despise their youth. Be a Timothy. Because that was what Paul said again to Timothy. In 1 Timothy 4, 12, he said, let no man despise their youth. Be thou an example of the believer. He was reiterating to Timothy what Timothy was already known for. That Timothy must not allow his character to be flawed. In other words, he must retain the kind of person that he was that recommended him in the first instance to the grace of God before he was thereafter recommended to a higher service. So it's important for you to know that Timothy was not the only person. Another person was Ananias. That was the man who laid hands on Paul to receive the Holy Ghost. In Acts 22 verse 12. The Bible said the man was devout, 
but also much more than devout was that the man was a man of a good report. So you see that that's a vital requirement. Even if fire is coming out of somebody's mouth, character is where we start from. Character is an important thing. I have told you here before that in the shoot in an arrow there are two parts. There is the tip of the arrow that is made from iron, which is like our ministry. But there is a shaft of the arrow that is made from wood, which is like our character. If the shaft of the arrow is deficient in its alignment, no matter how sharp the tip of the arrow is, the arrow will always miss the mark. So will our ministry miss the mark when our character is deficient, when our character is not properly aligned. So the first thing they said here was that we are looking for men of honest report. The second thing that they wanted was that they wanted men who had a proper relationship to the Holy Spirit. They said men who are full of the Holy Ghost. Or in other words, in the context of what I'm saying today, that we are looking for men who are spirit-filled. Or let me say it like this. That we are looking for men who are full of the spirit. In the Bible, there were also men like that. One of such men, men was Barnabas. The word of God tells us in the book of Acts 11.24 that he was full of the Holy Ghost. One of such men was Stephen. Stephen here was one of those chosen, and he did not lose that experience. In Acts chapter 7, verse 55, where we are told that Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into the heavens. He saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing. So that is to tell you that Stephen was also a man who fulfilled this condition. He fulfilled it to start with and he kept it up as an experience in his life. There were other people that were full of the Holy Ghost as well in the Bible. Paul was referred to as somebody who had this condition. Acts 13 verse 9. And you see many other people in the Bible that were full of the Holy Ghost or who were spirit-filled. Those are the kind of people that God wants to wait on his altar. Remember that if these requirements were necessary, it simply meant that not everyone had it. If everyone had it, there would have not been any reason for us to look for men among us. It, is, it was a requirement that not everybody possessed. They said in verse 3, Look you out among you, seven men, of honest report of good character. The next thing is full of the Holy Ghost. And the third one is and wisdom. Wisdom simply means ability to use knowledge right. So a wise man is a man that has the correct relationship to the word of God. So there are three things here that are vital requirements for people who are going to occupy offices. One, they must have the right relationship with the word of God. Two, they must have the right relationship with the Holy Spirit. Three, they must have the right relationship with people. Because that is simply what it means when we say character. No character can be tested if you are living alone. The best test of a man's character is in terms of his relationship to others. If you find it difficult to live with others, you have a character deficiency. If you find it difficult to exist with others and to work with others, you have a character problem. Some people find it difficult to stay in a department because of a character deficiency. We can never know how strong your character is except in relationship to others in the milieu of working together. So remember that as a kind of background. So today I'm speaking about the spirit-filled minister or the spirit-filled worker or the spirit-filled uh, uh, servant of God, whatever way you look at it. Now let me say this to you before I go a little bit ahead. It is important that a minister of God commits himself to a spirit-filled life. To commit yourself to any kind of life less than that is to live a subnormal life. To be spirit-filled as a minister of God, whether you're in the health ministry or you're in the counseling or usher, or you are just in other parts of the, of the service of the Lord, to be spirit-filled is not an option. It is a necessity. If you are going to be abundant in fruit, 
And if you are going to be superior in the kind of quality of fruit that you produce, being spirit-filled is not something that is unique or unusual. It is something that is required of every and all and any one of us who is going to stand in such a position. To be spirit-filled as a minister is a quality that is highly sought for, even by God. Because the extent to which God will be able to have his liberty in your life is the extent to which you are spirit-filled. You can see him here saying, I want people who have the right relationship with the word. I want people who have the right relationship with people who will not get angry because they are going to minister to widows. And I also need people who have right relationship with the Holy Spirit. Full, he said, of the Spirit. It is not abnormal to be spirit-filled. In fact, it is normal. It is actually subnormal not to be spirit-filled. And if you challenge yourself to anything, my brother, sister, in the service of God in this time and season in which we are, which is the time of the appointment of the Spirit, you must dedicatedly incline yourself to live a Spirit-filled life. The concept of a Spirit-filled life is something that you value a lot. Not just you work on your character, which is very important. Not just you read the Bible. There are several people who read the Bible, but who are not Spirit-filled in the sense of being Spirit-filled as a minister in which this scripture is talking about. And that is why I'm hammering on this, like I said. I will give you a little introduction today and probably continue next time as we are led by the Spirit of God. People here were being chosen in the early church. This was the first time people were going to be chosen to fill any position in the local assembly. Look at the issues that were raised. These were pertinent issues. I believe that nobody qualifies to occupy any position, whether in a specialized fellowship or in a department or in a church, if he does not possess all these three qualities in abundance. So he must be a man of honest report. He must be a man full of the Holy Ghost. And then he must be a man of wisdom. A man who knows the word and knows how to use the word. Not a man who comes to church only on Sundays. Not a man who is involved in the eye service as men pleasers. But a man who does the will of God from the heart. Not a man who only does it when people see him. But a man who will do it when nobody sees him. What you do when nobody sees you, that is who you are. What you do when everybody sees you is what you have hypocritically. So who is a spirit-filled minister? Who is a spirit-filled minister? Or you may be asking yourself, am I a spirit-filled minister? I would like to give you about four different definitions of who a spirit-filled minister is. The first definition of a spirit-filled minister is one who is controlled or and dominated by the spirit's presence and power. One who is controlled and dominated by the spirit's presence and power. In other words, what controls him is not whether people are looking at him or not. What controls him is not the superior. What controls him is not the fear of punishment. What controls him is not, I will not be paid. What controls him is the spirit's presence and power. He is completely dominated by the spirit's presence and power. That is what controls him. That is the first definition. The second definition I will give of a spirit-filled minister is one whose normal abilities, actions, and capabilities and capacities have been overridden by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Let me say it in a simple way you understand. He is one who does things beyond his ability by the power of the Holy Spirit. His capability, his ability, his actions have been overridden. In other words, he can say it's no longer I, it is the Spirit. He is man, he's somebody who works probably in the, in the fullness of Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I. Yet not I. 
yet not I. There are three times that Paul said that in the Bible, yet not I. He said it to let us know how completely dominated and filled he is with God. That is a spirit-filled minister. A man whose normal ability, his actions and capacities and capabilities have been overridden. When he sings, he sings beyond his ability. When he preaches, he preaches beyond his human capability and his preparation. When he ministers, he ministers beyond his human capabilities and administration. He ministers beyond that which he possesses as a person, humanly, physically, and naturally speaking. He ministers by the power of the spirit, which is the power of an endless life. He does not do it physically or naturally speaking. He does it by the forces of the spirit. It is like his own capabilities and capacities are suspended. It is like what he can do in the flesh is not what he is doing. What he is doing is what he is doing by the power of the spirit that is projecting himself through him. That is a second definition of a spirit-filled minister. A man who ministers not according to the education he has gone through, not according to his Bible school training, not according to the preparation in the natural, but by the power of the spirit coming in and suspending the natural forces. That is who a spirit-filled minister is. A third definition, beautiful, this one. A third definition of a spirit-filled minister is one who can be said to be under the influence of the spirit. Somebody who is under the influence of. When you see somebody who is drunk and he walks from one side of the road to the other, he said he's under the influence of alcohol. So that you can't blame him anymore. He's the alcohol you blame. He is under the absolute influence of. He's not just filled with the spirit, but he is now under the influence of the spirit. If he lifts his leg, it's because the spirit controls it to be so. If he sings a song, it's because the spirit controls it to be so. He is under the influence. Influence of. And there's a definition the Holy Spirit gave me, a beautiful definition. I love this one so much. And it says it like this to me. A spiritual minister is not one that has more power of the Holy Spirit, but he is one that the Holy Spirit have more of. He is the one that the Holy Spirit now have more of. You see, most of the time when we say spiritual minister, what we think about is somebody who has more anointing. Mm -mm. A spirit-filled minister is somebody that the Holy Spirit now have more of. Listen carefully and let me explain what I'm saying. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you are potentially filled with the fullness of God. That is what you are. You are potentially filled with the fullness of God. But there is a limit to which the Holy Spirit can manifest himself through you. But the more he can manifest himself through you, because you now allow him to... The more spirit-filled you are, it means the more spirit-controlled you are. If you understand that, wave your hand like this. Now, let me say it again to you. It's why you are, why you are filled with the spirit. The Holy Spirit is already in you. He comes into you fully. But there is a limit to which he can walk through you because there is a limit to which you can allow him to. Now, the more you now allow him to, the more spirit-filled you are. That is the, in the light of John 3.30. He must increase and I must decrease. It's not that we are having more of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that is having more of us. In other words, you are now more sensitive to him. You are now more yielded to him. You are now more under his control and under his influence. He can now do many more things through you than before. Not because he is more, but because you have yielded more of the ground that was on your side, now over to his own side. So he's now more in control. He's now Lord. You know why we get saved? We always say he's Lord of our life. Along the line, we say it's now love of our marital life. 
We now say if you want to get married, we, we say, Holy Spirit, what should I do? But as you go on, it becomes a lot of your finance. You don't just give what you want to give. You now give what he tells you to give. And as you go on, it becomes Lord of your time. You don't just tell him, uh, you don't just use your time anyhow. You allow him to direct the use of your time because you discover Psalm 31, verse 15. We say, my times are in his hands. So he's now having more and more of you. So you are now becoming spiritual. More, you are now more spirit than flesh. That's what it means. Not because the Holy Spirit has increased his volume in you, but because you have decreased the volume of flesh. And you have given more of the flesh area occupied before by flesh to the spirit. So the spirit is now more in prominence. He's now more in prominence in your worship. He's now more in prominence in your prayer. He's now more in prominence in your giving. He's now more prominence in your praise. He's now more prominence in every and all things that you do. That is a spirit-filled minister. A person whom the spirit now have more prominent roles in his ministrations than before. In Acts 15, you see this case of what I'm talking about. Verse 28. The Bible tells us very clearly, it says, it seems good unto the Holy Ghost and to us. You see, those ministers have become more spirit-filled. In the beginning, you will not see such things. They just make their plans and go ahead and execute the plans, expecting God to bless it. But as time went on and they grew and matured in the things of God, it was no longer so. What it was now was that before they made any plan, they submitted to the Holy Spirit. And whatever the Holy Spirit gave them, that became their plan. So when you are a spirit-filled minister, you are more under the influence of, and the Holy Spirit has more area and more control over you than before. It's not that you have more of the Spirit, but you have yielded more of yourself to the Spirit. So that the Holy Spirit can now mold you, change you, carry you, teach you, tell you, instruct you, guide you than before. That is when we say somebody is a spirit-filled minister. Now let me quickly go on here because of what I really want to cover today. As a minister, it must be a great desire in your heart to be spirit-filled. You must have a desire to be spirit-filled. I'm not just talking about being able to speak in tongues because we are talking about a completely different thing now. I'm not talking about being able to speak in tongues. I'm not talking about having been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about being now under the dominion and control of the Holy Spirit in many more areas of your life than before. And this is an important condition that you must be in if you are going to be involved in this business. I like that statement they said. They said full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business. It is a business. Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 21, 8, that the king's business require haste. Jesus said in Luke chapter 2, verse 49, why do you look for me? I must be about my father's business. So it is business. Jesus had a business approach to it. And here you see that the apostles had a business approach to it. And so should we. So that we should not just serve without the right spirit. The reason why our departments at times are not functional is because of the failure in these three areas. The reason why our fellowships are not functional is because of the failure in these three areas. The reason why you head a department or head a fellowship or head a group of people and you can't produce results is because of failure in these three years. Because these three ingredients are very vital if there is going to be abiding results in whatever we do. Remember our definition of a spirit-filled minister. Now, why should I desire to be a spirit-filled minister? Why should I desire to be a spirit-filled minister? Now, let me say this, and this is the way I'm going to start that uh, discussion. If you are going to be spirit-filled as a minister, please do not desire to be spirit-filled for the wrong purpose. Do not desire to be spirit-filled for the wrong purpose. Because if you desire to be spirit-filled for the wrong purpose, the likely possibility is that you will not be able to produce that result. You will not be able to produce that spirit-filled result that is expected. 
If you desire to be wrong, spirit filled for the wrong purpose, you're not likely to be able to get the kind of results that probably you're looking for to get it. And there are some reasons why people want to be spirit filled. <laughs> Let me say this. There are some reasons why some people want to be spirit filled. And they are the wrong purpose for which people want to be spirit filled. I will give you a few reasons why people want to be spirit filled. Number one. Some people want to be spirit-filled, or let me say it like this, they want to be anointed so that they can be superior to others. They want to experience more of the anointing in their lives so that they can be ranked above others. So, so that they can be looked upon to be of a higher level of sophistication. In other words, they want to be spirit-filled, not because of the purpose for which God wants them to be spirit-filled, but they want to be spirit-filled so that they can be superior to others. Number two, which is another wrong purpose, people want to be spirit-filled. Some want to be spirit-filled at times so that the current problems they are having, probably they are having some problems and some difficulties, will go away. They believe that once they are spirit-filled, the current problems and pain they are going through, probably they are trying to pastor a church and it's not growing. They think, well, once I'm spirit-filled, once the anointing of God increases in my life, once the Holy Spirit can control me more and it can flow through me more, then I will, all these problems will be over. I will now have a bigger church. I will not have a fatter salary. I will not have a, a, a larger advertisement. Many more people will know me. That is why some people want to be spirit-filled. They want to be spirit-filled so as to remove difficulties in their lives. They want to be spirit-filled so that the, 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 the lack of spirit anointing that have characterized their work and have not made them known will be gone. So that they will not be heralded. They will not be celebrated. They will not be put on a higher pedestal. That's the second reason. It's the wrong reason why some people, the person may want to be spirit-filled. Another third reason, a third reason why some people want to be spirit-filled is because to be spirit-filled is a very good emotional state to be in. It's a very good emotional state. Very refreshing and emotional state. Very fulfilling and emotional state. It's a renewing experience that is very refreshing. I mean, Acts chapter 3 verse 19 causes times of refreshing. Amplify says times of recovering from the effect of heat and of reviving with fresh air. So some people want to be spirit-filled because... They believe that being spirit-filled, it, it will like, it, 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 it's, it's a good emotional state, it's scintillating. So they want to be spirit-filled because of their emotional uh, desire. They, they, they want to, it's for personal enjoyment, so to speak. Another reason why people want to be emotional, why people want to be spirit-filled is that they want to be like others. They want to be like others. Oh, I've had that Reverend George spirit-filled, I want to be like him. I have that Jack for the spirit-filled, I want to be like him. I've had that Benny Hinn spirit-filled, I want to be like him. They want to be like others. That is the reason why they want to be spirit-filled. Another reason, which is the wrong reason why we want to be spirit-filled, is for self-glorification and self-enjoyment. For self-glorification and for self-enjoyment. They want to, they believe that being spirit-filled, they'll be able to pride themselves in it. I'm a spirit-filled minister. I'm a spirit-filled minister. I'm a spirit-filled minister. They want to be able to boast in it. They want to be able to boast by it. They, they look at it as a kind of attainment, a kind of achievement, a kind of place they have come to, which, which is like a, a place that most people don't come to. But what is the reason why you and I should desire to be spirit-filled? Listen to this. As a minister, the only reason why you must desire to be spirit-filled is so that your life and your ministry will bring glory to God. That's the only reason. So that your life and your ministry will bring glory to God. Let me say it again and again. There is only one thing God is looking for in your service. 
There is only one thing God is looking for in your ministry. He wants to get the glory, not you. It is not you that needs to get the glory. If your intention is to get it, you will never get it. If your intention is to get it, even if you get it, your case will be like Belshazzar. We are told that Belshazzar was overcome in one day by God. Daniel 5.23. Because he did not glorify God. Belshazzar was overturned one day by God because he did not glorify God. There are two ways in which you can glorify God as a minister. By the way you live and by the work you do. So the spirit, the reason why you want to be spirit-filled is so that you and I will be able to glorify God by the way we live and by the work we do. So that when people see our lives and when people see our work, do we glorify God, not us? Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify who? Your Father who is in heaven. If they see your good works and glorify you, you are trying to be spirit-filled for the wrong purpose. If they see the anointing of God on your life and they glorify you, you have achieved nothing. You have made it the most serious mistake that any minister can make if you are a minister and your intention is to be spirit-filled let me say this to you as you go out in your desire in your effort to be spirit-filled in your work in your life to be spirit-filled let it be so done in such a way that the glory will always return to god the bible says in psalm 50 verse 23 he said whoso offereth praise glorifieth me he said i always tell me when we give praise we give glory to god whoso offereth praise glorified me god wants to be glorified many people think well god just wants us you see god wants you to live the way you're supposed to live and he wants you to walk the way you're supposed to walk so that your work and your life will glorify god so that through your work and your life people will honor god when christ came here he did not come come here to glorify himself he came here to glorify the father he said it clearly in john 17 4 he said i have finished the work without giving me to do i have glorified thee upon the earth this is where the mistake comes from most people. They want to be spiritual so that they can glorify themselves, so that people can glorify them by saying, ah, you have arrived, you are prominent, ah, you are the anointed man of God, ah, there's nobody like you. What should be is that people should glorify God. Jesus says it in John 16, if you read from verse 12 down to verse 14, verse 12 says, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot receive it now. He said, but when the spirit of truth is come, verse 13, he will guide you into all truth. He shall take everything that belongs to me and to show them to you. He will glorify, verse 14, John 16, 14. He said, he, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me. A spirit-filled minister is the person whose life and whose work glorify God. So that when people see the work, they say, ah, ah, glory to God in the highest. When Jesus Christ was born, Luke chapter, 12, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 14, he says, glory to God on the highest. Glory to God in the highest. And on the earth, peace and goodwill to all men. Wherever you see Jesus heal, people give glory to God. Wherever you see real spirit-filled minister, minister, people give glory to God. Who has given such power unto men? That is the way it must be. When the spirit of God is manifested like it should be manifested, the glory always returns to God. If the glory is to you, then you have lost out. Because you have made the people look at the thing they should not look at. Because when the people look at the thing they should look at in the proper manner, you have to be sure that they give the glory to where it is due. Not unto us, not unto us, but unto you, O God, do we give honor and glory. The word of God tells us in Psalm 86 verse 12, he said, I will glorify thy name forever. 
in Isaiah 24:15, he says, glorify the Lord in the fire. You see, when people, have, when people get into trouble, they still need to glorify God. When the blind man was healed, when they came and told, when they came and told Jesus Christ about uh, Lazarus who was sick, Jesus said to them, verse 4, this sickness is not unto death, but it is so that the Son of God may be glorified. It's why we bring forth fruit, real fruit, it glorifies God. If you read John 15, there are so many things in John 15, but the bottom line, you find it in verse 8. Open to John 15, let's read this together, so that you can see what I'm saying. God wants us to bring forth fruit, but whatever fruit we bring forth, should glorify God. So he wants our lives and our work to glorify God. John 15, I read from verse 1. I am the true vine. I am the true vine and my father is the husband man. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he pocketeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. Look at that word, more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much, much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are bound. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified. What glorifies him? That you bear much fruit. Who gets the glory? The Father. Not you. Not you, because this is where the problem is. Not you. Not you. Not you. Not you. It is not for personal advantage or advancement. It is for the glory of God. So if you desire to be a spiritual minister, have that at the back of your mind. Because if you don't have that at the back of your mind, you can never become anointed in the real sense of being anointed. In the real sense of being anointed, God wants to put his anointing on somebody, people who will not share the glory or the gold. People who will not say, look at what I have done. But people who always want to hide behind that big God. And we'll be able to say, from the depth of their heart, it is God, it is God, it is God. You see, some people can say it is God, it is God from their mouth, but in their heart, they are sharing it. They are giving the impression that, ah, you know, I tried, I tried. But people who will not, who want to operate incognito, those are the people that God wants. People who, after they have done it, they will conduct themselves among the crowd and go away as if they are not the people who did it. I read the story of Frances Hunter. She was in one airport one time, and there was a notable musician who was crippled in the leg. And as she was passing by, because she was spirit-filled, the Holy Spirit said to her, go and pray for that woman. She's a noted musician. Everybody knows her. And Francis Hunter went to the woman and said, my name is Francis, can I pray for you? God just said, I should pray. And wheeled the woman into the toilet. And laid hands on this woman who was a notable singer. And that woman was healed by the power of God. And the woman stood up. Immediately he saw the woman stood up. She just connected among the, among the crowd and left. It was in the paper. She herself was reading what happened. Nobody knew till today until she wrote the testimony who ministered to that lady. But if it were us, what shall we do? Spirit-filled minister. The idea. Paul said in Galatians 1.24, well, that when people had... Of what had happened to him, they glorified God in him. In other words, the glory still had to go to God. The Bible says, whatever we eat or drink, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever we eat, everything we do, we should do to the glory of God. Spirit-filled minister. That was what we are talking about. A man who is under the dominion and control of the Holy Spirit. A man whose capabilities and capacities, a man whose thoughts and actions have been overridden by the Holy Spirit. A man who is under the influence of the Holy Spirit. A man not who has more of the Holy Spirit, but a man of whom the Holy Spirit has more of. He must increase. 
I must decrease. If he increases, he can get the glory. If I decrease, I can get the glory. But if my intention is that I increase and he decrease, then where is the glory? And if that's the situation, you can never enjoy the spirit's fullness. Let me go ahead by saying this. And this is very important. This is a question you need to ask yourself. As a Christian, as a minister, as a worker, am I spirit-filled? Am I a spirit-filled minister? Am I a spirit-filled minister? You see, you can call yourself, you can call yourself a minister. But the question is, not am I a minister? The question is, am I a spirit-filled minister? Am I a spirit-filled minister? I will give you seven things you can use to check it out. If you have a doubt about it, you see, it's one thing to minister. What is accepted by God is whether we qualify to minister, not that we minister. There are so many people who minister today who don't qualify to minister. Listen to this. And the Bible says, in the end of days, when they said, they will go to him and they said, we did this in your name, we did this in your name, what will he say? He will say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, for I don't know you. They did those things that they said they did. But they did not qualify to do it. The point is, you have to be qualified before what you do is accepted. If somebody who does not qualify to enter into the university now writes jump from form 4 and scores 298 out of 300, they say, okay, you have passed the exam. But where is your SSC? No SSC. He, does, he can even score 300 over 300. He does not qualify to sit for the exam. So your personal qualification is a condition for the acceptance of what you do. People don't measure their personal qualification. They just say, let us do it. Here they are saying, we need personal qualifications before they can do it. So that what they do, it will be accepted because they will have qualified to do it. What are they looking for? One of it, a spirit-filled person. Not just a person who's been baptized in the Holy Ghost and who speaks in tongues, but somebody who is under the dominion and control of the Spirit. Somebody who is absolutely under the influence of the Spirit. Somebody of whom the Holy Spirit have more of. The Holy Spirit has been able to grow to occupy many more rooms in his life than before. So the question you need to ask yourself is this. Am I a spirit-filled minister? Not that I am a minister. You can minister. Anybody can come, minister. Anybody can be in any department. But the question is this. Am I a spirit-filled minister? That question is more important than any other question. Because that is what makes it possible for you to qualify, even to minister in the first instance. Because if you're not spirit-filled, what are you doing with ministry? God told those people in the early church, he said, stay in Jerusalem until you be endowed with power from on high. Don't touch anything. He told them in Luke 24, 49. He said, make sure you turn in Jerusalem until you be endowed with power from on high. In other words, you need to be filled with the Spirit before you minister. You can't minister without being filled with the Spirit. As it was important for them to be filled with the Spirit to start out, it's important for you and I, if you are going to minister in whatever capacity, either as a songwriter or as a counselor or as an usher, you should qualify and say, am I a Spirit-filled minister? Am I Spirit-filled? Am I? Because that's very important. If I know I'm not spiritual, I, I don't stand behind boobies. What, 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 of what blessing will I be to stand behind boobies and engage your time for two hours? If I'm not spiritual. If I'm not spiritual, I don't go out to, to honor an invitation. No matter who invites me, I have to know that I'm spiritual in the right conditioning for me to go there and be a blessing. It's not just something you do like you want to do anything. You have to qualify to do it. So I want to give you seven things you can use in checking. Number one, if you ask yourself about a spirit-filled minister, one way in which you can check is, ask yourself, 
To what extent am I enjoying the abundant wealth of the Holy Spirit in my life and ministry? To what extent am I enjoying the abundant wealth of the Holy Spirit in my life and ministry? When you preach, to what extent can you say you are enjoying the abundant wealth of the Holy Spirit in your life and in your ministry? In whatever position, while you sing, to what extent are you enjoying what the Holy Spirit can give to a singer in your singing? When you travel around the world, or travel around the villages, or travel around the cities, or travel around the nation, ask yourself, to what extent are you enjoying the abundance? You see, the Holy Spirit has so much to give. To what extent are you enjoying the abundance that he has to give? To what extent are you saying you are ministering under the Holy Ghost unction? The wealth of the Holy Spirit, to what extent? The Holy Spirit can give you money. You say you are in ministry. To what extent that does the Holy Spirit give you money? Because he's the source of gold and silver. The source of the cattle upon a thousand hills. He's the one, the Bible tells us, who will, who will shake this nation and shake this earth. And the desires of all nations will come and will fill his house with his glory. And the glory of this latter house shall surpass the former. Because not only will he give vision, but he will give supply of silver and gold. To what extent are you enjoying? The abundant wealth. That the Spirit of God falling. If you're a counselor, to what extent are you enjoying the abundant wealth of the Holy Spirit in your counseling? If you're a deliverance minister, to what extent are you enjoying the abundant... Are you not using more of blood than spirit? I know people who use more of physical energy to pastor than spiritual. I know people who use more of physical energy to sing than spiritual. The anointing is done on the song. The anointing is done upon their voice. You see that it's, it's, it's not by, it's, it's by power and might. It's not by the Spirit. Zechariah 4, 6 says, not by power, not by might, but by the Spirit. To what extent does the Holy Spirit come in? If you're a drummer, can, to what extent can you say the Holy Spirit? What he can do? Or are you doing it with power and might? Are you struggling to do it? Are you laboring to do it? Are you sweating to do it? Don't complain. Most people pass on the complaint. Who do you complain to? If God has not called you, then leave the ministry. If you are a spiritual minister, there's no room for that. Nobody complains of the way the potter has made the, the potter, the, the potter has made the, the pot. You have no right to. And when you do that, it makes that you are not a spiritual because if you are, you'll be enjoying the wealth of the spirit's presence and power. When you rebuke demons, when you preach, when you, when you, you enjoy your work because you are anointed to do it. Jesus said he was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. Many people don't want to be anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. They want to preach to the rich. You don't need an anointing to preach to the rich. You need an anointing to preach to the poor. That is where the anointing is. The anointing flows from the place of no need to the place of great need. Philip went down to Samaria. The Bible does not say Philip went up to heaven. You see, at times, people, you can see that they are not enjoying, they are not enjoying the, the wealth of the Spirit's presence. They are not. A lot of energy, physical energy, raw energy, gary energy, goes into what they do. Little anointing, much power. When you lead prayer supernaturally, it is different from when you lead it in the energy. When you sing supernaturally, I, I saw this young lady come up here tonight and sing, and I can just see that God is helping her. I can just see she's one person, but I can just see that look, this guy is on the way. 
But when it's not there, your, all the nerves will come out, the blood vessels will expand, and you will not even, I will not even hear what you are saying. Hey! And I say, what is he saying? I can't understand. To what extent do you enjoy the Spirit's wealth? Because the Spirit is wealthy. So much in the Spirit of God. To what extent am I enjoying the unlimited spiritual wealth available to me in the Holy Ghost? To what extent? If you are not, you are not spiritual. You see, the extent to which your spirit filled will be, you will, it will be indicated. When you want to pray for the sick, do you hold your head like this? When I look at people who are spiritual, I say, Father, in Jesus' name, I command your healing power to move in this place. I command every sickness. That's all they do. They will not even break one sweat. But here you are struggling with malaria. Ouch! Ouch! You, you blow all our tweeters. It's very wealthy. Rich, you see when the spirit is there richly. Not much energy. Not by power of might. By the spirit. By the Not by power of might. Not by physical energy or power, but by the Spirit. The second question you need to ask yourself is this. Am I a Spirit-filled minister? You ask yourself this, and listen to this, and this is very important. To what extent does my life and ministry reflect the practices and standard of this present world? To what extent does my life and ministry reflect the practices and the standards of this world. To what extent do I bring in the practices and standards of this world into my life and ministry? If you bring in more of the practices and standards of this world into your life and ministry, you are not spirit-filled yet. It's why somebody is spirit-filled. All of those practices and standards of this world have no place. Psalm 1 verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, that stand not in the ways of sinner, that sit not in the seat of the scornful. Verse 2 says, His delight is the law of the Lord, and the law of the Lord does he meditate day and night, he shall be like a tree. You produce result without the standards of this world. Psalm 1 verse 1 says, Don't have anything to do with the standards of this world. Psalm 1 verse 2 says, Now use the standards of God. And verse 3 says, You will produce the results of God. To what extent are the standards and principles of this world in your ministry? Go and bring a little ankachi. African mentality. Go and drink this thing and rub it on your stomach. Wake up by 12, pray for 2 hours. Wake up by 3, pray for 2 hours. Wake up by 5, pray for 2 hours. To make sure when you pray, you, your face is on the bed. So that your back is up. What is all that nonsense for? Principles and standards of this world. Political motives. You need to ask yourself that question. Number 3. Ask yourself this third question. To what extent do I minister in the gifts of the Spirit? <laughs> there can never be a minister except one who ministers in the gifts of the Spirit. I will speak about that in a few minutes' time. To what extent do I minister in the gifts of the Spirit? You call yourself a pastor. You call yourself an apostle. You call yourself a prophet. You call yourself a teacher. To what extent do you minister in the gifts of the Spirit? Tongues and interpretation. Prophecy. To what extent... Do you minister in the gifts of the Spirit? It is one thing to be a minister, but I want you to know that gifts of the Spirit are supernatural equipments for us to work in the ministry. They are equipments by God to help us do the work of ten people in one person. 
Because by God's spirit, he can destroy 10,000 people. You can see when the anointing came on Moses, he did not need to physically destroy an Egyptian before they were destroyed. Overnight, countless Egyptians were destroyed and murdered in their sleep. To what extent do I minister the gifts of the Spirit? As a HOD, you can minister the gifts of the Spirit. As a young minister who is a psalmist or a member of the music department, you can minister the gifts of the Spirit. You can sing prophetic psalms. As an instrumentalist, you can prophesy on your instruments. You can make melody that have not been written by men on your instruments. To what extent do I minister beyond myself, so to speak? To what extent do my natural abilities suspend, get suspended when I minister? I've had people say to me again and again, when I preach, at times I don't even preach what I prepared. But some other people say, when I preach, I did not finish my point. The man who did not minister from his notes is ministering by the Spirit. The man who did not finish his point is ministering by the canal. The Spirit may have helped you to, uh, to, to arrange it, but the time comes when the Spirit wants to suspend it. If you are Spirit-filled, you will flow with the Spirit. I will come to that. When you are spirit-filled, you flow with the spirit. One of the greatest problems of God today is having spirit-filled people walk. Most of the people who walk are not spirit-filled. They were baptized in the Holy Ghost. But in terms of being spirit-filled under the influence, under the dominion and control of, to have the spirit have more of them, that is one of the greatest problems. So that even at times when something is in the spirit, they cannot even understand that it's in the spirit. They cannot even judge it to be so. Ask yourself the question, to what extent do I minister in the gifts of the Spirit? When last was it, did the gift of the Spirit manifest in my life, even in the smallest possible way? Number four question, to what extent do I manifest the fruit of the Spirit? There is nothing like being a Spirit-filled minister without the fruit. Matthew 7, 16 to 17, by their fruit we shall know them. Jesus is interested in our fruit. In Luke 13, verse 6 to 9, there was a time he gave a parable. He said a man planted a fine yard and the time came for him to get fruits on it. He sent people there to go and pluck the fruit. And when they came there, they could not find it. He says, cut it down! Why does it cumber the land? Jesus caused that fig tree because it had no fruit. All it had was leaves. Fruit of the Spirit. There are nine of them. Love, joy, peace, meekness, goodness, long-suffering, gentleness. All of these are fruit. If you are always quickly angry, you are not spirit-filled. If you are always in haste, you are not. Because long-suffering is a fruit of the Spirit. If you're always fearful and afraid, you are not because peace is the fruit of the Spirit. If you hate and envy, you are not because love is the fruit of the Spirit. If you're depressed and downcast, you are not because joy is the fruit of the Spirit. Meekness, gentleness, faithfulness. If you cannot be dependent upon, you are not a spiritual minister. If you tell you to do something, but we need to also remember that you may not do it, you are not a spiritual minister. You are not. Because you are supposed to be faithful. That is the word faith there. If you look at it in Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23, you see one word faith there. That is not faith as in the faith you live by. It is the word faithfulness. And you find it in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2. He said, moreover, in still worship, a man be found faithful. 
If you read verse 1, he said, let the man account of us as ministers of God. But how do you know a minister? Verse 2, by his being faithful. Psalm 101 verse 6, he says, my eyes shall be upon the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. Proverbs 20 verse 6, he said, every man will declare his own goodness. His own goodness. He said, a faithful man, who can find? If you are not faithful, you are not a spiritual minister, no matter what you do. If nobody can rely on you, we, we've told you to do it, but we still have to begin to make arrangements as if to say you are not there. If we make such arrangements, you are not spirit filled. Because how do I not spirit filled? You see, the fruit of the spirit, now let me shock you with something. The fruit of the spirit do you find in Galatians 5, 23 are manifestations of the character of the person of the Holy Spirit. Those fruits get produced in our lives when the Holy Spirit fertilizes our spirit. It's when the Holy Spirit comes and fertilizes our spirit, they produce those fruits. Those fruits are expressions of the personality and nature of the person of the Holy Spirit. By their fruit we shall know them. Ask yourself the question again. To what extent do I manifest this fruit of the Spirit? To what extent? Am I a meek person? I thank God for Moses. In Numbers 12.3, he says, Moses was the meekest of all men on the face of the earth. The meek shall inherit the earth. The meek will he guide in judgment. That is in Psalm 25 verse 9. You see, God wants you to know that these fruits are important. Character. Do I have the fruit of the spirit? When the Holy Spirit touches a man's spirit, what it produces is the fruit. When the Holy Spirit lives in a man, when the Holy Spirit abides in a man, when the Holy Spirit empowers a man, you produce the fruit. Another question you need to ask yourself is this. When you are saying, am I spirit filled? Another question you need to ask yourself is this. To what extent am I concerned with the things that concern God? Does your heart beat with the thing that beats God's heart? How concerned are you about souls? You can never tell me you have the life and nature of God if your heart does not beat with the thing that beats the heart of God. When Christ was going, the most important thing to him was souls. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creatures. And you are standing there, you say you are a minister. And you are not interested in souls. You are not a spirit-filled minister. You may be a minister to dogs and animals, but you are not a minister. You are not a spirit-filled minister. No, that's a fact. How can you say you are a spirit-filled minister having the spirit of God without having the kind of attitude that God has for the unsaved? It's not possible. Romans chapter 8 verse 9, whosoever does not have the spirit of Christ is none of his. What is the spirit of Christ? In Matthew 18, 11, Luke 19, 10, he said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. He made himself like we are that he may save us. And you're not ready to make yourself anything so that by all means you may win some. You're not spirit-filled minister. You're not. Because some people say, I'm a teacher. Who is the greatest teacher? Jesus. But who is the greatest soul winner? Jesus. That is why Daniel 12, 3 says, They that turn many to righteousness shall shine as a star in the firmament. He that winneth soul is wise. You cannot say you are spirit-filled if you are, your heart is not concerned with the thing that concerns God's heart. The house of God is in the way it is and you are not bothered. Do you think that's the same way God feels about his house? There is no enough money to work the works of God in the house of God. The storehouse is barren and empty and you have your tithes and you have everything and you don't bring it to the storehouse and you say you are spirit-filled. You are not. 
Because if you are, you will, be, you will feel it the way God feels it in heaven. When somebody backslides, some of us just stand there and castigate. Yeah, not the backslide. I'm a brookudi. I'm a yani. There is more joy in heaven over a single person that is restored. More than 99 people that need no repentance. If there is anybody we need to go after, they are the people that have, who once were in the kingdom but are no longer there. After those who have not known Christ, the next people are those who once knew Christ but have gone back. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9 19, I made all things unto all men, so that by all means I may win some. Am I a spiritual minister? Ask yourself the question. Is your heart beating with the thing that beat God's heart? You don't come for prayer meeting and you say you're a minister. What is the current, you say you're a spiritual, what is the current daily ministry of Jesus Christ? Bible says in Hebrews 7 25. He said, We are foreseen that he, he forever liveth to make intercession for the saints. Anybody who comes to God by him, you should know this that Jesus forever liveth to make intercessions for the saints. When people are asked to come and pray for themselves, they come. But when to come to intercede for the saints, they don't come. Do you are you spiritually? The Bible says we should prefer others. Philippians 2 4. In love. Not prefer yourself in love. There is no scripture that says we should love ourselves personally. And in other words, I should love myself. But there are so many scriptures that says I should love my brother. John 15, 12. He said we should love them the same way he loved them. He said that is his commandment. So ask yourself, to what extent does my heart beat with the thing that beat God's heart? Look at the poor on the streets, the hungry, the naked, the barren. Most people are not concerned with them. The dumb, the deaf, the defeated, the bruised, the battered, the exploited, the abused, the insulted, the dreg of society. Does your heart beat with that? Does that make your heart stare? Do you have compassion? In Matthew 12, they killed the cousin of Jesus, John the Baptist. They beheaded him. And Jesus must have felt a little bit low and he was going into the desert to rest. But when he saw the multitude, the Bible said he was moved with compassion and he healed them all. He should have been concerned with his own problem. He was a man of compassion. When he saw them, sheep scattered. You see why some people do some things and I said to myself, do these people, are these people in the spirit field? In Matthew 9, if you look at it, there is no chapter in Matthew where Jesus worked that hard. And at the end from verse 35, he said when he lifted up his eyes, he saw the multitude as sheep scattered without shepherd. And he said unto them, Truly the harvest is plenteous, the laborers are few. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he may send laborers. The Bible said he was moving. When he saw them, sheep scattered without shepherd. Does the state of the body of Christ move you today? Does the state of your department move you? Does the state of this church, does it move you? You see, at times you cannot say you are spirit-filled when these things don't move you. Because these are the things that move God. These are the things that concern God. These are the things that anybody that has the spirit of God in the right proportion, at least in a spirit-filled measure, must be moved by. Look at our boss in this church. And they ask you to contribute 1,500. Up till now you have not contributed. Does that not move you? Does it, does it not move you that there are people who, are, who want to enjoy what you enjoy but they cannot come and all you are asked to do for a lifetime is give 500. 
Does that not move you? Now you're saying, I'll spirit it. Shut up. Does that not move you? I said in the beginning that we don't need the spiritual experience for our personal gain. We need it that we may glorify God. There was a man in the Bible who wanted the spirit experience for personal gain. And that's it. Simon the Sosta. Peter told him, you have no part in this one. He said, give, he gave them money. He gave them money. Give me also this power. That upon whosoever lay hands, they will receive the Holy Ghost. Peter looked at me and said, I perceive. You are still in the bond of iniquity and in the God of bitterness. You have no part or lot in this matter for your heart is not right. You can never read a single place in the Bible where that man was an individual spirit filled. No way. Because he wanted the spirit for the wrong purpose. Am I spirit filled? Well, you can check out yourself. Does your heart be with the thing that beat God's heart? Does your heart be with the thing that beat God's heart? Prayer beat God's heart. Evangelism beat God's heart. Those are the things that beat God's heart. Supporting the ministry. Supporting the work of God. So praying for the man of God. These are the things that beat God's heart. These are the things that concern God. Because God's man is God's ambassador. And God's church is God's house. You cannot have a negative attitude towards the church of God, towards the man of God, towards the work of God, and say you are spirit-filled. Am I spirit-filled? Ask yourself. Do I minister in the gifts of the spirit? Do I have the fruit of the spirit? And again, does my heart deal with the things that beat God's heart? Another thing is this. Ask yourself this other question. Am I spirit-filled? Another way which you can know whether you are spirit-filled is this. Ask yourself, am I zealous? Am I zealous in obeying God? And a clear giving commandment. Am I zealous? Zeal is always produced by the Holy Ghost. The zeal of God that's eating me up, Jesus said. Jesus had zeal. There's a song we used to sing, the zeal of God has consumed me. Galatians 4, 18 says, it is good that we be zealous in a good matter. Am I zealous or am I complacent and apathetic? Do I come late to church? The person who comes late to church is not zealous. You can't prove it. To zealous means to have a warm feeling towards, to hunger after, to thirst after, to long after, to seek after. To be jealous for. Not to want something to go by default. To want to do everything that needs to be done. For it to be done. Am I zealous in a body? Are you involved in delayed obedience? Every time they need to say the same thing. Or are you involved in partial obedience? A man who is spirit filled. Once you say it twice I hear it. A man who is spiritual will not only do that which is commanded, but every other thing that is well pleasing in his sight. First John 3 22. Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we do those things that are that he commands, and also all those things that are well pleasing in his sight. Those are the things that we do. Are you zealous or complacent and apathetic? He's one thing to say, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a minister, but you may not be spiritual. I'm not saying you don't talk in tongues, I'm not saying you have not been baptized in the Holy Ghost. I'm saying you're not under the control and dominion. You're not under the influence and the Holy Ghost does not have more of you. He doesn't. All he has of you now is what he has always had of you. He wants to have more but you refuse to yield. You are increasing and he's decreasing. In those days you used to come to church three times a week but now you come only once. You are increasing. He is decreasing. 
It doesn't say you pray for one hour, but now you pray for 20 minutes. You are increasing and he's decreasing. Coming to church now is the problem to you. Now, why are you surprised that your business is not prospering? Why? You see, at times some people don't know this. You see, the way you relate to God's work and God's house will affect the way God relates to you. Hosea 10, 12. So to yourself in righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground this time to see God. Galatians 6, 7. It says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. Some people have not learned this principle and I don't know why. It does not need to take you this long for you to know that the Lord's heart is not sure that I cannot save. It's yes, I'm not dead that I cannot hear. The problem is what you are doing, how you are doing it, is affecting what you are getting. Your harvest in life is reflected in your business, your work. But you have to be concerned with the seed you sow. You are complaining about your harvest, but God is complaining about the seed you sow. It's complaining. We are using every excuse in this country not to go to church. Using every excuse not to pay the tithes. Using every excuse not to become a member of the department. Even using God's blessing as an excuse. You know, since I had this baby, I cannot function anymore in any department. Excuse me. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and added no sorrow. Are you regretting? Let me ask you whether God's blessings put somebody away from God's house. Psalm 23 verse 6, he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. If God bless you, you go to God's house. The more God bless you, the more that's a harvest, the more the seeds you have to plant. When God gave someone's mother a baby, she gave him back to God, and God gave her five. The reason why the miracle stops with one is because he just holds that one, instead of giving that one away to God. This is the secret. Many, I see some Christians who don't spend more than three hours in the office. Personally, they prosper fine. I of those who don't even have time to come to church except on Sundays. God is not deceived. God is not. What you are pursuing, what you are pursuing is supposed to be pursuing you. What you Goodness and mercy shall follow you. But what you balance only cleaning. When you are not properly conditioned, you cannot get the best thing God has to offer. Spirit-filled as a minister. When you are spirit-filled, invitations will look for you. Not you looking for me. What, what, what do you look for? When you are spirit-filled, the people that know you, not just, they will look for you all over the place. But when you are spirit-filled, you will be begging instead of walking in the fullness of what God has in store for you. Ask yourself this question. To what extent am I zealous in obeying the commandments of God. To what extent am I enthusiastic? Not starting in business. Fervent in spirit. Serious in spirit. Serious in spirit. Serving the Lord. Not slothful. If somebody knows it's gone for all night, you don't come by 2 a.m. That's not all night. You're only trying to serve your conscience. You're only obeying the church rules that you must come as a HOD. If they say HOD should not come, you will not come. I mean, if you're like that, can you say you're a spirit field? Are you not supposed to be a lot to yourself? Are you not supposed on your own to be able to do these things without having to be supervised? Are you not supposed to be in the room of those who supervise others? That is what the spirit field. The spirit of God is God. We never do anything contrary to God's work. Ask yourself the question. 
Am I zealous? Am I still hot? Have I not lost my heat? Am I faithful? Am I apathetic or complacent? Another question you need to ask yourself is this. Another question. This is the seventh one, I think. Ask yourself about your devotion life. Is my devotion life consistent? My devotion life, is it consistent? Let me say it again. Is my devotion life consistent? Or is it uneven? Or completely absent? A spirit-filled person will behave like the spirit. And the spirit is God and the spirit is the same. Psalm 102 verse 27. It says, thou art the same. Hebrews 1.12. It says, thou art the same. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift from above and coming down from Father of Light with whom there is no variableness. To what extent can you say your devotion life is consistent or uneven? I remember several years ago, that was 1992. At the end of the year, just around this time, I went to God. And I said, God, What is the thing that I did this year that was not good? Or the things I should have done I did not do? Or the things I shouldn't have done that I did? Lord, tell me. And God told me just what. He said, you have committed a sin this year. And it is grievous. It's, he said, it is unlike my nature. I said, what is this? He said, you are inconsistent. He said, today you pray for six hours. Tomorrow you will not pray at all. Then two days time you pray for 20 minutes. Then three days time you pray for 30 minutes. Then that day you pray for 45 minutes. Then you pray again for 8 hours. He said no. He said I want you to fix it and let it be consistent. If it's one hour, let it be one hour. If it's 30 minutes, let it be 30 minutes. Because I'm a consistent God. Hebrews 13, Jesus Christ the same yesterday. That's the nature of God. The same today. That was what Paul looked at the Galatian Christians and told them that they were foolish. Galatians 1.6, he said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that connects you to another gospel. You're unsteady. You're unstable. Galatians 3.3, 3. He, said, he, said, he said unto them, he said, haven't begun in the spirit, are you not perfected in the flesh? He was surprised. Galatians 5.7, he said, you did run well. Who did hinder you? They were not consistent. Let me ask you, are you consistent? Your devotion life. Are you consistent? Do you fast consistently? Do you pray consistently? Do you study the word of God consistently? Because the nature of God is a consistent nature. He is the same. His name is I am that I am. What I am today is what I've always been. And what I am today is what I will always be. So he is a consistent God. Malachi 3.6 I am the Lord. I change not. He said therefore you children of Jacob are not consumed. In Proverbs 24.21 He says Honor the king and fear, he said, honor the king and fear the man. Uh, you know, he said, honor the king. Then the last part of that scripture says, meddle not with him that is given to change. Jeremiah 32 verse 36, he says, why do you go about to change your ways? Why goddess thou about to change thy ways? The nature of God is unchanging, the same. Ask yourself, you say you're spirit-filled. To be spirit-filled means to have more of God. For God to be in control. And my God who is in control don't go bad. 
The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 33, 25, as your day, so shall your strength be. Though people call God ancient of days, but he has not grown older. They call him ancient of days, but he doesn't grow old. How he is and has been from the beginning is still how he is now, because his name is I am that I am. If he grows older, we may say he may, he may have grown a little bit senile dementia. If he grows younger, we may say probably he is now a toddler. But he is the same. For thou, Lord, are the same. Ask yourself. You see, the Spirit of God is a consistent spirit. It's when you are doing things by the Spirit, you will be the same. Fervent. That is the word. Fervent. You see that word in Romans 12, 11? We said, be not slothful in business, but be fervent. That word fervent means heat. But listen, it is the same word that is used to refer to the body temperature. Do you know that the body temperature is always 98.4 degrees Fahrenheit? Consistent. Constant. If it grows slow, it means you are sick. If it grows too high, it means you are sick. So that word fervent means consistently maintaining its heat. You say you are spirit-filled, you be consistent. Consistent to morning prayer, consistent to honor prayer, consistent to fast, consistent to meditate in the scriptures, consistent to do what you are supposed to do, consistent evangelism, consistent in everything. You will develop that attribute of God which is the unchanging characteristic. Unchanging characteristic. Let me round up today's discussion by saying this. What are the characteristics of a spirit-filled minister? What are the characteristics of a spirit-filled minister? We give you only two today. What are the characteristics of a spirit-filled minister? If you call yourself a minister, whether you are singing, you are counseling, you are an usher, you are in follow-up, you are in visitation, you are in welcome and reception, you are a pastor, you are a teacher, you are a deacon, the first characteristic is that a spirit-filled minister is lively. Lively. Because the spirit is life. Genesis 2-7. God formed man out of the dust of the earth and breath into man. The breath of life. And man became a living soul. Spiritual minister is a lively minister. He doesn't drag. He is not sloppy. Job 3 verse 4. He said the spirit of God has, has made me. And the breath of almighty God has given me life. Spiritual minister is lively. When he sings, he's lively. When he preaches, he's lively. When he dances, he, when you meet him at home, he's lively. In the house, he's lively. When he's up, he's lively. When he's down, he's lively. He's lively all the time. A spiritual minister is not a thermometer. He is a thermostat. To be a thermometer means to read the temperature of your environment. So when they see your face, they know there's no money in your pocket. But to be a thermostat is to control the temperature of your environment. When you have an air conditioner in the room, there's an instrument called thermostat. 
number one to ten. Remove it from one to five, it will get cooler. From five to nine, it gets cooler. That is who you are, not a thermometer. A spiritual minister is a lively minister. Ezekiel 37. Hallelujah. You know what happened when the spirit got there? Valley of dry bones. All the bones were dry. No life. Everything was upside down. And then he asked him, Son of man, can this bone live again? He said, you know, Lord. He said, prophesy. Now listen to what he says. He said, prophesy to the north wind, east wind, west wind, and south. Spell that together. North N, East E, West W, South S. What is that? News. A spiritual minister brings good news. How beautiful upon the mountains. At the feet of them, they bring glad tidings of great joy. Because he has the North wind, East wind, West wind, South wind. He brings good news. It's a lively person. Are you lively? Are you lively? I see the field. Uh, you. When, you, when, when the preacher is preaching and he looks at your face, you think that all the people in the church are dead. Because your face is as long as... But you see some people, they are always beaming. Lively. You can't sit near them without hearing, glory to God. Then you look. After some time, you think he's no longer there. Then you hear, hallelujah. They make you feel uneasy. Because their spirit feel it keeps bubbling out, bubbling out, boop, 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 boop. out of their belly is flowing rivers. In that valley, there was a great army. Before they had a great assembly of stone of, of bones. Spirit feel message lively. Whatever you see him in his message, he makes message lively. He makes his music lively. His discussions are lively. They are not boring. And dry. you know the way some people speak. Excuse me. If they're gonna to talk to me, talk like somebody who is alive from the dead. Now listen to this. Jesus said it with his own mouth. John 6 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profited nothing. Put that word in your spirit. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The spirit gives life. That's what he's saying. It is the spirit that quickeneth. First Corinthians 15, 45. We hear about the spirit being called quickening spirit. First Timothy 6, 13. We are told that God quickeneth all things. Romans 4, 17. We are told that God quickeneth the dead. And how does he quicken the dead? And how does he quicken all things? Romans 8, 11. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead dwelleth in you, that same spirit will quicken. Make alive. That's what it means. So be lively in everything. You be lively. When you are praying, pray like some. You know, some people, they are surprised to come and wake them up when they, when they are supposed to pray. It's because they are not praying lively. Romans 8.26 Likewise the spirit helpeth our infirmities For we know not what to pray for as we ought But the spirit himself maketh it for us with glories We cannot be altered in our everyday articulate language When you pray, pray lively Pray lively The spirit is a quickening spirit A spirit free minister is a lively minister He bubbles, he bubbles, he bubbles 
One man saw me, he said, it's a pity. He said, you'd never look sad at any time. I said, yes, why will I? I said, the Holy Spirit is always happy. That's why the Bible says, don't make him unhappy. Is that what the Bible says? If the Bible says, don't make him unhappy, that is what it means to grieve not the Holy Ghost. It means that he's always happy. That's what it means. He's always happy. So don't make him unhappy. So be a happy boy. Be cheerful. In Ezekiel 47, when you go into that river, when the river came, what happened? The Bible says plants started growing. Fishes appeared. Because the river of God is chilling with life. Psalm 46 verse 9. For with thee is the fountain. Psalm 37, 36 verse 9. For with thee is the fountain of life. And in thy light shall we see light. Be lively. Be lively. I like this phrase. I always see it in the Bible. Quicken. 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 There was a man known as Dr. A.B. Simpson. For so many years, he was a pastor of a church. After preaching on Sunday, he would be so tired that before he can begin to prepare another message, it will be on Thursday. So one day, he read Samuel 19. And he saw verse 25, verse 37, verse 40, verse 88, verse 149, Psalm 80, verse 18, Psalm 71, verse 20. And he saw that phrase, Quicken thou me, O God. So this man, after preaching on Sunday, will be so tired. And so on Monday morning, when he wakes up, he'll close his eyes and begin to say, Quicken me, Holy Spirit. Quicken me, Holy Spirit. Quicken me, Holy Spirit. You see, in the beginning, he will have to wait until Thursday before he can begin to have enough strength to preach. But when he made that wonderful discovery, he saw that word quicken, which means to give life. It means to supply fresh energy to. It means to impart strength. He will not close his eyes on Monday morning and he begins to say, Quicken me, O oh God. Holy Spirit that has been quicken me, quicken me, quicken me. As he begins to quicken, he begins to giggle. He begins to he begins to laugh. He begins, first of all, begins to giggle. He begins to smile. He begins to laugh. <laughs> and you know, a merry heart doeth good like medicine. So a spiritual minister must be cheerful. Must laugh. Dance. In Luke 10, 21, the Bible said, at that time, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit. Actually, the Greek said, Jesus made a little dancing step. So of us, when they are singing, they see you love God. You know the associations you belong to? The dead in Christ. That's how they behave. The dead in Christ. They stand on one spot. Rooted, built up, and established. Spiritual man is cheerful. He lives a lively life. Lively. You see him laugh heartily. <laughs> when somebody laughs like that, you how do you feel? Ah. It's because you have a problem. You are not spirit filled. That is how you should laugh. <laughs> yes. One man said, he said, when you laugh like that with your mouth, he said, you are telling your body what is happening is not that serious. It takes less number of muscles to laugh than to frown. The wicked man hardened at his face. Whether you are preaching or singing, be lively. I like people who sing. I say, Jesus, oh Jesus, I want the, oh Jesus. 
That is how to serve God's people. That is how to serve in God's house. Lively, 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 lively. That is how to serve in God's house. Not to present yourself like a complainer. They are forcing you to do what you are supposed to be enjoying doing. You need to enjoy service. I like those when they are serving during weddings. They are serving. You see them, they are laughing. I'm on board, Joe. But there's something you call yourself. Well, they are not forcing you. God is a rewarder. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, smile a little bit. So what am I saying? A man with spirit field, a minister with spirit field is lively. You see that bundle of life. You see that he's a bundle of life. He's, he's contagious. When it comes around, no matter how dark everything is, everybody begins to smile. He will touch you like this, make you giggle. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> he's always bubbling with fresh wine. The things that are happening around him don't allow him to bow because he has been to the river. And when you get to the river, life is springing where the river is. Oh, we are into the field. The river is rushing. The river is here. The river of God. The river of God fills our heart with cheer. The river of God set our feet to dancing. We rejoice for. I, I like a church in England. At times they will say, everybody just move the chair and let everybody be dancing. Whether if you cannot dance, they lay hands on you and pray until you dance. I believe we should begin. We should begin to sing that song again. Dance, children, dance. Uh, the Lord, you know, at times I just stand in front of the mirror. All of you know this. When you are naked, you don't look like you look in your shirt. And I stand in front of the mirror. I said, I saw my basilio. And I begin just lively, lively, lively. Look at your neighbor and say, Thank God for clothes. I love you, Look at your neighbor and say, The spirit filled minister is lively. Whether you're an usher or a counselor, if you're a minister or a. Don't behave like they are forcing you to do it. If your spirit is broken, wait until you are healed. We don't need spiritual patience to minister to us. If sin is making your spirit to stoop, go and be clean before you can minister to us. Let me give you one more before I close. A spirit-filled minister is one who is led of the spirit. Led of the spirit. I love that statement. Led of the spirit. The Bible taught the need for us to be led by God. Deuteronomy 32 verse 12. He said God did lead them. And there was no strange God with them. If God leads you, there will be no strange God with you. The reason why you fall into the hand of strange girls is because God is not leading you. That is why you fall into the hand of strange girls and strange brothers. Because God is not leading you. The Bible said in Psalm 5 verse 8. He says, lead me for thy righteousness sake. 
Psalm 61 verse 2. He says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Psalm 23 verse 2. He says, he lead me beside still waters. Psalm 23 verse 3. He says, he lead me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Psalm 25 verse 5. He says, lead me for thy truth's sake. Isaiah 48, 17, God says, I am he that leadeth thee. I am he that leadeth thee. He said, I will guide you. God is the one who leads. We all need leading in our lives. We need leading in our career. We need leading in our, in our vocation. We need leading in our marital life. We need leading in our business life. But many of us who claim we are spirit-filled are not led. By the spirit. We are not led. Somebody say how? You have had two courtships already. Are you led? You can't tell me you are led. We call leading into some things. Does he lead these people into things of mistake? I like steak but I don't like mistakes. He leads. Psalm 31 verse 3. He says lead me. For thy great name's sake. Psalm 139 verse 24. Lead me in the way everlasting. You and I need to be led. Psalm 37 verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by God. But how does he lead us? If you are a spirit filled man. You will be able to quote Romans 8.14. As many as are led by the word is either one or the other thing that leads you is either the spirit of God or your fallen human nature what you see, what you feel what you taste, what you touch those are expressions of your fallen human nature but the spirit of God wants to lead us Exodus 13, 18 I think he says the children of God were led by the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night Isaiah 52 verse 12, you shall not go out in haste neither by flight, for the Lord shall go ahead of you, and the glory of God shall be your rear guard. Isaiah 55 verse 12, you shall go out in peace and be led forth with joy. When they say joy, you know that's the Holy Ghost. And the mountains and the hills will break out before you in singing, and the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Psalm 73 verse 24. Guide us, O God, with your counsel. And thereafter receive us up to glory. The spirit-filled man is led by the spirit. Acts 16 verse 6 and 7. Paul wanted to go to one place. The spirit forbade him. He wanted to go to another place. The spirit suffered him not. The spirit led him. You need to do the right thing to be led by the spirit. If you think you know, the spirit will not have to lead you. But the man who is spirit-filled does not do anything presumptuously. He always asks. Lord, I'm not insisting I will travel tomorrow, but should I travel or should I not? It's very easy to travel, especially when you have your money in your pocket. But the Bible says, he knoweth the way that I take. But does he know? Does he know? The spirit-filled man is led. That is one of the characteristics. The word characteristics means noticeable qualities that show that something is something. Characteristic, it is the noticeable quality that identifies something 
to be what you say it is. One of the ways you know a man who is spirit-filled is that he's always spirit-led. One businessman, for a number of years he was in business. He never went into any business that did not pay him. He never did any business where he lost his money. And everybody was surprised. So they went to him and said, excuse me, sir. What is the secret that whatever business you do, you always make profit. And you never do any business where you lose your money or they refuse to pay you. He said, my secret is very simple. He said, before I do any business, I will be sure, cock sure, that the spirit is leading me. If the spirit does not lead you and you lead yourself, you suffer for it. The spirit-filled man is led by the spirit. Everything he commits to the spirit, he does not take the spirit of God for granted. Whatever the spirit-filled man does, it has to be spirit-determined and spirit-led. The fact that you have money does not mean you should do anything. I want to buy a farm. Spirit of God, should I buy it? If he say don't buy it, because if you buy that fan, you may forget it on one day and all your property may burn because the fan may catch fire. Be spirit-led. It's not everything you can do that you should do. This year I planned, I planned on my own that after convention and birthday celebration I will go to England and rest. But I asked the Holy Spirit, should I go? She said, stay here. That's all. And that's why I'm here today because I'm spirit-led. But you, both parties, the boxer, but travel Monday, put it the boxer. And you go. And that's why at times you go empty, you come back defeated. The spirit-filled man is led to every minute detail of your life so that they will not chance you. Nobody knows the way of life than God, the spirit. The time has come for you to always say to the Holy Spirit, I'm not insisting on anything. What you want is what I will do. You are the most important person to me. They may invite you at that other end. I remember one minister that they invited. They say, come, 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 I died. And they gave him everything. Last minute, he said, the spirit did not allow me to go. The aircraft he will have entered exploded in the air. And everybody died. And the other they said, come, we are praying for you. If you die, will the gospel not continue? Be wise and stay around so that your reward can be full. So that you're not moving to an uncompleted building. I always tell people, no matter even if your invitation card is as big as this keyboard, I will only tell you I will come if the Holy Spirit allow me. That's all. I'm not bothered. The water you will drink will not go past your mouth, will it? If you're not, you're only, you don't know what the way of the Spirit is. When you know the way of the Spirit, all things work together for good. When the Holy Spirit told Paul not to go to Asia in Acts 16, listen to this carefully. And he wanted to go and another said, Holy Spirit said, don't go. Eventually, Paul went there and made many friends. Listen to me now. In 2 Timothy 1.15, Paul himself said it with his mouth. He said, all of them who are in Asia have turned their back on me. He lost every friend that he made in Asia. Because Asia was not part of God's plan for him. All of, open your Bible. You see, when God protects us from certain things, we don't know what he's trying. Verse 15. You see, he eventually made some friends. Because we are told in Acts 19 that he had been in Acts 19.31. Open to Acts 19.31. Because Paul still had to go to Asia. Open to Acts 19.31. I'm closing now. Acts 19.31. 
March 1931. Are you there? In March 16, he wanted to go. The Holy Spirit said, don't go. Eventually, probably in his own time of freedom, he, he went there. But look at Acts 19.31. And certain of the chief of Asia, which were his friends, sent unto him, desiring him that he would not adventure himself into the theater. So he has so many friends in Asia. Now look at 2 Timothy. That was the last book that Paul wrote. Look at the testimony of the friends that he made in Asia. At times God will be delivering us from certain things we don't know what he's delivering us from. 2 Timothy 1. Verse 15. He was telling Timothy. This was the last book he wrote from the prison. He says, These thou knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, including the chiefs of Asia. He said, I want you to know this. But you see, from the beginning, God did not want him to waste his energy. God didn't want him to. He said, don't go. He said, I want to say, don't go. Probably in his own good time, he went. He made so many friends. But he lost every one of them. Be spirit led. Child of God, before you fill your form in the university, courses in the I always tell people this, even when I was not a Christian, whatever led me, led me. I will get all the subjects I want to fill for exam. I mean, for registry. Every time, every time. I never scored 40% in any subject in the university. The lowest was 52. And it was sociological theory, and it was, it was only theory. I will get all the subjects, then the likely ones, I will write them and put them under my pillow. And I will say to God, I didn't know God. God, any class I should not go to, any subject I should not help me remove it. And anytime I bring the subject out, I will feel that one, I will cancel it. Before I eventually feel my green form, I did that as a way of life. I will put it back again on my pillow. After I've gone to sell newspapers and I'm back and I'm tired. I will feel all those from political science, from economics, from psychology, from sociology. I will feel it out. As many as I want to. And I will cancel and cancel and cancel until I get to a point that I look at it three days, one after the other, and I don't have any to cancel, then I register. Throughout, I never had one receipt. And uh, I never scored 40 in any subject. After I became a Christian, when I went for postgraduate degree, I knew what I did then without the knowledge of God. Now with the knowledge of God, what do you think I did? I wrote it out. And I prayed the prayer that the apostles prayed in Acts 1. Show me, O oh Lord, which of these subjects you have chosen. The one you have not chosen, let it die the death. Every tree my father has not planted shall be uprooted. Then I take pencil. Any subject I don't feel like. You know, my spirit wants to eat. I can't see myself in that class. Contemporary theories of political societies. At times I will catch some. My heart will make me... Then I will write it again. And I think cancel. Whereas one, I canceled three times. <laughs> and I eventually did that subject. In the exam hall, when I sat down, I did six questions answer four. I could not answer more than two. I said, Mubi. Look at your neighbor and say, Be spirit led. Stand on your feet. Thank you, Father. We give you glory, we give you praise, we give you worship. The spirit-filled minister is the one who is spirit-led. The spirit-filled minister is spirit-led. Father, Lord God, we thank you for your word. We believe it has fallen into good grounds. Thank you for strengthening us to put these words into practice in our lives. We give you the praise. Hallelujah. We worship and glorify you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Make a commitment to the Holy Spirit. 
You can have more of me. You can have more of me, Holy Spirit. Have more of me. I don't want to make mistakes in life. We are making so many mistakes and the mistakes are too many for convenience. When the child of God says, the spirit of God has said, don't believe him. He has not proved it. When I became a Christian, that was what they taught me. They say, before you do anything, ask the spirit of God. Let him lead you. Galatians 5.18 says, if a man be led of the spirit, he is not under the law. If you are led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Let the spirit of God lead you. Holy Spirit, help us so that we will not choose wrong. Psalm 25 verse 12, he that fear the Lord, him shall God teach what way to choose. Many of us here, we are dangling between two opinions with reference to so many things in your life. Don't dangle between two opinions. If God be God, serve him if not. Don't say there are two things to choose from. There is only one choice to make. Only one thing is needful. Not two, not three. And I know that when you seek God's face as a spirit-filled man, you will experience his power and presence. He is a wonderful, merciful master. Every head is bad, every eye closed. If you are born again,